Tonight, we will continue with um, our journey through the book of Genesis. And uh, if you were with us last week, you uh, should remember that we covered the matter of the seed for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Okay? And tonight, we're going to use maybe uh, 25 minutes or so to talk about uh, another aspect of Christ, uh, and that is the land uh, for the fulfillment of God's purpose. And if we can all read uh, what is under the title in quotes, all together, okay? Go. I believe this sentence encapsulates my desire, my burden to share with you tonight. Um, I hope you all are clear that both the seed and the land represent Christ. Um, And this Christ has come into us as a seed. And as we live by him, he becomes, in our experience, the land. And that is for the fulfillment of God's purpose. If you take a look on your outline, in Roman number 2, says that apart from the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the entire Old Testament is a story about the land of Canaan. The entire Old Testament. Okay? And the subject of the Old Testament is the good land. The land flowing with milk and honey. And we will get into this about the milk and honey, both in my sharing and also you have some excerpts to get into. What is the significance of this land flowing with milk and honey? Okay, the first thing I would like to say is that When we interpret the Bible, because that's what we are doing here. We are interpreting the seed and the land as being Christ. So, in interpreting the Bible, we need to pick up some governing principles of all the types in the Old Testament. Such as all the historical events and all the geographical places in the Old Testament. And listen to this. The basic principle, the basic governing principle to interpret all the types in the Old Testament is this. That Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. That is the basic principle to interpret all the types. Okay? So the children of Israel... In their experience, they went through three stages of their enjoyment of Christ. Okay? Number one, it was when they were in Egypt. Okay? Egypt was the land of slavery. Okay? Um, Okay. So I'm going to try to write big enough. So we have um, Egypt. Okay. This is the land of slavery. 
There is no enjoyment there until the redemption of God came in. There, the people of God began their journey when they enjoy Christ as the Passover lamb. So, right here, they experience and enjoy Christ as the Passover lamb. They had to eat that lamb. And they had to eat that lamb in a particular way. They had to eat even uh, specific parts of that lamb. For instance, they had to eat the head. They had to eat the legs. They had to eat the inward parts. And they had to eat bitter herbs and unleavened bread. All these are beautiful pictures and types of what Christ is for the people of God right there in Egypt. You have to pick up a principle also. Whenever God comes to man, he presents himself to man in the form of food for man to eat him. Okay? So in Egypt, they experience the lamb. You know, for instance, those legs that they had to eat. Those legs represent Christ as your walking strength to walk out of Egypt. Do you have trouble with some items in the world still today in your experience? I have good news to you. God has provided a lamb, and that lamb has legs that if you eat them, they become your walking strength to get out of that situation. Are you involved into something that you don't know how to get out of it? I have good news to you. That lamb has a head that you need to eat. And that is Christ as your wisdom, as you are walking out of that situation. You see? Well, the people of God continue their journey. You see, they enjoy the Passover lamb, and they came to the wilderness. And in the, in the wilderness, they enjoy again Christ, but in a different form. They enjoy Christ as manna, that is bread from heaven. And they enjoy Christ as the living water also. Okay? For 40 years, God sent them manna. And that manna, I don't have to interpret it. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 6 that he is the reality of that manna. He is the true bread. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And he came down to give life to the world. Okay, so that is Christ as manna and as the living water. Okay? But that is not all. Remember, God's purpose is not just to save his people out of the world. He has to do it. But even not even getting them into the wilderness and build a tabernacle, a movable, portable dwelling place. God's intention is to bring his people all the way into a land called Canaan. So that's the next stage of their experience of Christ. They come to Canaan. Okay? 
And there, they experience Christ in an all-inclusive way. Everything these people need is supplied by the lamb, land, is right there. Okay? So here they experience the land. Now, question. What did God gain in each of these steps or stages? Well, number one, right here, when they partook of the Lamb, God gained a group of redeemed people. They were redeemed. They were saved. They came out of Egypt. That's what God gained. Then in the wilderness, 40 years of manna did something in that people. And that is God gained a reconstituted people. Right here, you came out of Egypt. But there is a problem in you. Egypt is still in you. So God, as a science major, a dietitian, he knows the way to reconstitute that people. So he's going to send them a different diet, bread from heaven, 40 years to reconstitute you. You know, I came from Mexico City, 1988. When I came here, pure Mexican. Every cell, every fiber of my being. <laughs> now, it looks Mexican, but inside, I'm American. <laughs> because I have been eating all the American diet. <laughs> Those who know science and medicine, and you know that your skeleton gets renewed every two years. All my cells, American. Why? Because I have been eating the American diet. So God, 40 years of manna. Whoa, that was a great reconstituting work. Okay? So God gained a reconstituted people. Amen. Now the question is here. What did God gain when the people of God came into the land? What does God gain? Question, Abhishek, what, what did God gain? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got the picture, right? Here, you have to eat. Here, you have to eat. Here, guess what? You have to eat. The lamb, the manna, now the produce of the good land. And you have to check in Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. When when they entered the good land, manna ceased. Stop. And that year it says they ate of the produce of the good land. They just continue eating. You may say, they eat their way into the good land. Right? Right? Okay, so right here, God gains something. Let me, Carl, okay, right here, Carl. What what did God gain? In a building. Oh, very good, a building, very good. So, what is that building? What is the name? The temple. The temple, very good. He gains a temple, and then what else? A kingdom. A kingdom, a city, the city of Jerusalem, right? Which represents God's kingdom on earth. Very interesting. When the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40 was built, it says that the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. 
Then you go to 1 Kings chapter 8, and when the temple was built, remember that reference, 1 Kings chapter 8, when the temple is built, the glory of Jehovah filled the temple. Right? God becomes a permanent resident of that structure. And the glory of God, that is his expression, is right there. So, the temple is related to God's expression, or I can use the word image. And the kingdom where all the enemies were subdued is related to God's dominion. Image and dominion. Abishek, image and dominion. What this reminds us? What verse? Uh, yes, image and dominion. Genesis. Very good. Genesis chapter? Uh, one. Mm-hmm. 26. One twenty-six. Okay. <laughs> Carl, what does this verse say? Roughly, just paraphrasing. Uh, let us make man. Yes. And after our likeness. Yes. Let them have dominion. Yeah. yeah. Very good. So that's God's purpose. Right? Chris told us last week, he reviewed God's purpose to have a group of people. Right. That fill with God as life so that they may have his image to express him and his dominion to represent him. So, when the people of God enter into the good land and enjoy the good land, then God's purpose in a corporate way is fulfilled. That's the Old Testament. Okay, so that is what we are doing as New Testament believers. We are doing exactly the same. Okay? So remember that principle to interpret all the types in the Old Testament. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. And that is important for us to see and understand the significance of Christ being the land. Okay? Then another thing related to this, you can put um, image and dominion. Genesis one twenty six right here. Okay. So, <clears throat> that is God's purpose. And the way he accomplished his purpose is by mingling himself with men. Okay, I'm introducing here another word, mingling. God takes the way of mingling himself with man to be one with men. Okay? Well, I have a question. Who should I ask? Okay. Let's see. Josh, Shen. Uh, how does God mingle himself with man? What way he takes? How he, how he does it? I, we already covered it, but I'm just trying to repeat this point. Yes. God, to accomplish his purpose, takes the way of mingling. Let me paraphrase the question. What's the best way to get mingled with something? Oh, very good. You like apples? Apples, yeah. Okay. I have one for you right here. I wash it. It's clean. My fingers haven't touched it. Okay, so you can... So, Josh is going to show you the best way to get mingled with this apple. You know, who is a nutrition major? Uh, who is nutrition major? 
Huh? Vanya, uh, Daniel, okay. Uh, nu nutrition value of this apple, what is there? What is in it? <laughs> Carbohydrates, right? Sugars, fiber, uh, vitamin C, vitamin B, potassium. <laughs> a little bit of magnesium, too. So those things are right here outside of Josh. He can keep this apple in his pocket, but he may lose it. <laughs> but the, way, the best way to keep an, this and to be mingled with it is what Josh is going to do right now. Look at him. Right there. You see, all those elements are being, is good? You like it? Enjoy by him. Remember, enjoying. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. That those elements are going to be assimilated, digested, assimilated, transported. Eventually, those become the very fiber of his being. No way to take them away from Josh. They are fully mingled with Josh. Okay? That is the way God takes. Okay? In every stage of our experience of Christ. Thank you, you just keep enjoying it, okay? <laughs> so, as God is mingled with us, the more He mingles Himself with us, the more we grow in life, the more God is able to build Himself into us, right? So remember, this is God's way. He takes the way of mingling. He comes to you and presents himself to you in the form of food to be eaten by you and enjoyed by you. Okay? That's going to happen in the good land. When these people enter the land and labor in that land, right? and experience God's blessing upon their labor, they will right, enjoy the produce of that land. And something to fulfill God's purposes produce the temple for God's expression and the kingdom for God's representation or dominion. This is God's purpose. Okay. Another thing I want to share with you, and I know these are, you know, um, maybe different points, but all of these are good for us to understand the significance of Christ being the land. Okay, now I'm going to need um, an Adam. Stephen, you are an Adam uh, or man. Come, come here. Come here. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, Stephen, you are. Okay. So, this is the problem with man, and you will see in a moment what is God's intention, especially as it is revealed in the book of Colossians. Okay, get ready, because I'm going to show to you what is the central thought of the book of Colossians. Okay, here is this man. Okay, at the beginning, he and God enjoyed one another's presence. But this man fell and eventually became a wanderer. So he went away from God. And as he was going away, he develop some substitutes of what I was for him. Before he went away, I was everything to him. 
Now he's away from me. He's a wanderer, and a lot of things get developed to substitute me. He develops ways to provide food for himself. Pleasure. I used to be his pleasure. Now he has to develop pleasure, entertainment. I was his protection. Now he needs to develop something like weapons to protect himself. Okay? So when he is wandering, he picks up a lot of things that are substitutes of what Christ should be to him. Okay? So that wandering person has a lot of things. I don't know. I need, I need some things like... Uh, okay, right here. Okay. So you stand right here, brother. So he's a wanderer, and away from God, he has picked up all these substitutes, right? All these things, you can, okay, and maybe another one. Okay, all the things, you see. Things like, things like, you know, his uh, national philosophy, his domestic logic, things like culture, like uh, religious practices. Uh, even he has learned how to, to be or to do good without God. He has become an ethical person. A lot of good things, especially the good substitutes, those are hard to detect. But he picked this up away from God. So, this is a central thought in, in Colossians. That God's intention in his economy is to send his son. That is the son. Okay? This is my son. And now he's going to go and redeem that wanderer, lost man, and bring him back so that he and I can be one. So go ahead and bring him back. So he goes. Well, he tries it in a nicer way, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, so. so he brings him back, right? But there is a problem. He has all these substitutes. So according to the book of Colossians, God wants this Christ to be a replacement of all these substitutes. And that's why Christ in the book of Colossians is revealed as an extensive, vast Christ. He is actually the land to replace all these things. Okay? So the Lord really needs to open our eyes to see this matter. That there are many things, again, our philosophy, our logic, our goodness... Our own natural humility, right? Even our ways to worship God. They have, he's loaded with these things. So when he's loaded, he has no capacity to embrace Christ. But as these things are replaced by Christ, one after the other, right? Then he can embrace Christ, right? Can you embrace Christ now? Okay. Yes, okay. Very good. So... That is the central thought. What is, this is yours? Yeah. Okay. How about this? Yeah, this okay. So, that's the central thought in the book of Colossians. God wants His Christ to be everything to us. 
Eventually, chapter 3 says that Christ should be all and in all. Okay? Okay, now, let us, if, we, if you see this, Chile, have you seen this? I'm really burdened that, you know, freshmen and sophomores, you see this point. Okay? The big principle of enjoying Christ, um, <clears throat> being constituted with Him, and together with others, coming into Christ as the land, so that something can be produced for God's purpose. I hope you see this. Okay, Chile. Okay, now if we go through the outline quickly. And, um, you know, I'm going to stop in a few minutes. But that is, these things that I share should be a big help in understanding what is in this outline concerning Christ as the land. Okay, so <clears throat> we read Roman numeral 2. Um, that is the place for Abraham to live in and to live on. Um, <clears throat> that means to live by Christ, to live because of Christ, to live of Christ as the land. That is the place for Abraham to defeat the enemies. And the place for God to have a habitation for his expression. Okay, so that is in Roman number 2. Then, um, Roman number 3 is there to help you see that indeed Christ is the land. There are some verses that should help you to, uh, to see this matter. For instance, Colossians 1, 2. How about we read it together? Go. Okay, so that's the allotted portion. Paul knew, Paul has a Jewish background. Uh, he's looking back to the allotment uh, of the good land in the Old Testament. Okay, so we have been qualified. Uh, we didn't do anything. God, the Father, qualified us so that we may have a shared uh, participation in Christ as the good land. Then in Colossians 2.6, we are charged, even we are called to walk in Christ. Not just to receive Christ, but to walk in Him. And in a moment we will see how do we walk in Christ. Joshua 5.12, I mentioned this verse already. Uh, when Manasseh, they continued their eating uh, the very same year, okay, in the good land. And Exodus 3.8, uh, you have there the land flowing with milk and honey. So, um, maybe you can share a little bit about that matter of milk and honey. Uh, both of these things are products that result from the mingling, or you may say the working together of two kinds of lives. Okay? If you ever wonder why milk and honey. Okay, we have milk and honey. Well, um, you have the animal life, and you have the plant life. And these two lives work together to produce these two things, milk and honey. You have a cow here, and you have pasture here. You have, for honey, bees, 
and flowers. Okay? Animal life and plant life. So, the animal life in the Bible is the life that is good for redemption. Okay? So, right here, you have redemption. And the plant life is the life for generating a new life and multiplying. Okay? So, you have generating and multiplying life right here. And this is a beautiful picture of Christ because He is the Redeemer. In Him we have redemption. He is the Lamb of God. He is the quote-unquote animal life. And He is also the plant life. He is the one grain of wheat that fell into the ground and died and multiplied in resurrection. So, in this land, we have all the riches of what Christ is and has obtained and attained. That land is a picture of Christ. In this case, in all his marvelous work to redeem us and then to regenerate us and eventually multiply. Okay, so that's another proof that this land is Christ. It's a land flowing with milk and honey with redemption and generation and multiplication for God's purpose. Okay, then let us move on to Roman number 4. The relationship between the seed and the land. Okay, how about brothers and sisters? You take turn. Brothers, read the first bullet. Go. The The sisters. Okay, so here you have the relationship between the seed and the land, okay? I think it's very clear. Christ in us and we in Christ. He in us is the hope of glory. He is our life. Um, Christ the land is for our living, right? Which eventually results in the wonderful church life. Then, moving on to Roman number 5, we need to experience, enjoy, and possess this land so that God can accomplish His eternal purpose. And we have some verses there that we are going to read in a moment in Deuteronomy that show us the riches of this land. And the next verses in Genesis 13 show us four things that we need to do concerning this land. Number one, you have to underline see. We have to see this land. We have to know Him, just like Paul in Philippians. He aspired to know Him. We have to see Christ and know Him. And then we have to receive this land because God said, I will give to you. So the giving is on His side, the receiving is on our side. So we have to receive. You can underline the word give. Then we have to rise up. And finally, we have to walk through this land. Okay? It's not enough just to be in Christ. We have to walk in Christ. We have to know this Christ. What if I come from Mexico to the USA, you know, so many years ago, and the only place I have been is in my apartment complex. 
Am I in the United States of America? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Do I know the United States of America? No. no. What a shame. So many years here in the USA, one of the top countries, and I'm all the time in my apartment complex. And I have been eating ramen, ramen noodles. <laughs> do, do I know the riches of this country? No. Are you in Christ? Yes. Are you walking in Christ? Oh. We need to walk in Christ. Okay. Then Colossians 2, 6 and 7. How about brothers and sisters alternating? 6, go. Sisters. Okay, <clears throat> verse 6, you have to underline, walk in Him. Okay, you have been called to walk in Christ. And the question is, how do we walk in Him? Okay, who can give us a little help here? Will, uh, when you hear walking Him, what, what, how do we walk in Christ? Spend time with Him. Mm. Very good. How do you know? Huh? How do you know? Because when you walk with someone, you're spending time with someone. Oh, that's good. That's great. Very good. Very good. You know, I was thinking in, that you have seen what verse 7 said. Verse 7, you know, verse 6 ends, walking him, comma. Verse 7 begins like this. Having been rooted. We have been rooted. We have been planted into Christ. He is our soil. We need to spend time with him. We need to contact Him. We need to absorb Him. He is, our, as our soul, He's loaded with nutrients. We just need to spend time with Him. That's why it's so good to develop a habit. Every morning, contacting the Lord. During the day, spending time with Him. In prayer, in His Word. We have to contact the Lord. We have been rooted. That's an accomplished fact. You are a plant planted into this rich soil, Christ. That's how we walk. Number one, I want to impress you. We have to spend time with Him. Then when He moves, we move. So, as a young person, I, I, I hope you develop this habit of spending some of your time every day, you know, with Christ, touching Him. You know, the day has 24 hours. Can you do the same thing? Can you accomplish the same task? Can you do the same thing in 23 and a half hours? Or 23 hours and 40 minutes. Can you do the same things? I believe you can. So we have to spend time with the Lord. And then it says, I'm being built up in Him. You see, the first thing having been rooted is a perfect participle, right? That's the tense. And the second is a present participle. That's being carried out, being built up in Him. That's happening. And that's how we walk. We spend time with Him, and we are being built up with others. 
This matter of walking in him, is, it has the personal side, but it also has the corporate aspect. Don't think that we, Jose Luis, is able to know all this vastness and dimensions of Christ. I need you to know this Christ. He's so vast. I, by myself, cannot get to know him, even if I spend, you know, so many years. I need you. And Ephesians chapter, uh, what, 3, is very clear. We need all the saints, all the brothers and sisters, to apprehend the dimensions of Christ. Okay, now, the last point. I will finish with this, Roman number 6. How about you go and read it together? Go. Okay, here's a new thing. I'm going to slow down just for a moment and let you consider this point. The land, what you just read, says the land is the church. Wow, that's new. I thought it was just Christ. But what you read says the land is the church, the body of Christ. I feel this puts some handles in this matter of the land. And it's very experiential. You know, in the land, the people of God experience rest. And what is your experience, Caitlin, when you came into the church life? Rest. You rest. In this land, all your enemies get defeated. Who are your enemies? Daniela, who are your enemies? Who are these enemies? Is, is uh, Tori. Tori is your enemy. No. Who? Who is your enemy? Your professor? No, he's not your professor. <laughs> who, who are your enemies? Who are the ones that need to be defeated? Daniela. Daniela. Who needs to be defeated? Yeah, our self is there, is included. The self, right? Ugly self and the flesh. Do you have problems with the self? Do you have problems with the flesh? What about anxiety? In the, on this campus? Maybe in a few weeks. What about anger? Do you have a problem with your temper? What about envy? All these things. But you know what? I have good news. According to that number, in that good land, these enemies get defeated. That means if you are a person who is vitally and practically related to the body of Christ, these enemies will be defeated. And I'm going to be more practical. You have to be vitally and practically related with a few I can say, I love all of you, and I'm one with all of you, and that's true. I love all of you, and I'm one with all of you. But in practice, I cannot do that. I need a few companions. So when you have that group with whom you are vitally and practically related, you will experience victory. And those things who are chasing after you and defeating you will be under your feet. So this land is also the body of Christ. 
We have, we experience rest, the enemies are defeated, and guess what? The body of Christ is being built up to be the temple of God for his expression and the kingdom of God for his dominion. The end of the story. That, I mean, to me, that's awesome. That gives us some practical handles into this matter of Christ the land. I need some companions with whom I'm vitally and practically related. That's how we chase our enemies in that kind of relationship.